0: Hello, and thank you for joining us on the Business Advantage. I am Alicia Pennington, your host and owner of Advantage Athletic Training. We're discussing negotiation today, and this is another repeat from our first season, but I've chosen to include it because our value as professionals and our ability to negotiate our positions are pivotal to the growth of our profession. This is one of the most relevant topics that we can discuss to the future implications of our own positions and the longevity of our careers. Thinking back to our first episode on fulfillment, it probably goes without saying that you love what you do, but we also need to be appropriately appreciated. Value and compensation are ongoing and regular topics that I see on all AT forums. So I felt it necessary to address this topic again in this season, just like with branding and marketing. If you're joining us from last season, you'll now get free CEUs for listening and everybody else. Don't forget to log on to www.theadvantage.com CEU to register and get free CEUs for listening. Key learning objectives. Develop an ability to identify negotiating points and how to present well-informed presentations in favor of your negotiation. Understand the impact that negotiating on your own behalf has on the overall growth and development of the profession. Identify resources to increase your negotiating power. Like always, starting off with defining the topic. According to Wikipedia, negotiation is a dialogue between two or more people or parties intended to reach a beneficial outcome. By the way, I wanted you all to know that I use websites like Wikipedia or dictionary.com for information to show you that this is not complex or hard to find knowledge about. I purposely use sites that are familiar so that you see that this information is accessible. So, breaking down that definition for our own understanding, I think the largest hindrance that we all face with negotiation is that we view it as an argument. And honestly, the word negotiation is a little bit scary and seemingly confrontational. To negotiate, to me, seems like something that other people do, you know, like, Businessmen or lawyers, but definitely not athletic trainers. Let's start by changing our own mind about that definition by defining what an argument is. And so we can eliminate that from our possibility of thinking so that we can focus on what negotiation actually is. Arguments are defined as an oral disagreement, verbal opposition or discussion involving differing sides. So though by definition, arguments are not necessarily negative, they certainly carry that connotation. The primary differences between negotiation and an argument are body language, tone of voice, and intent. During a negotiation, an agreement is trying to be met, while in an argument, A point is trying to be proven. I want to caution you against exchanging those two ideas or terms in your head. Many people naturally avoid conflict, and I would hate for you to have an aversion to negotiation because you confuse it with being an argument. I also want to point out that to negotiate is actually a verb, whereas an argument is a noun. So negotiation is an actionable item, whereas an argument is just a thing. So nothing to be afraid of here. With the ever-present discussion in our profession of increased value, a way each of us can contribute is by negotiating on our own behalf. Understanding theory around negotiation, but also what to bring with you to the table in a negotiation are important aspects to advancing our profession forward. While the focus of this episode is on how to negotiate for yourself professionally in your career. Recognize that there are negotiations occurring every single day. Each time you speak with a coach and give in a little bit on what an athlete can do that day, this is a small negotiation. This is a great area to practice these skills and to understand the different aspects and theory associated with negotiating. Going back to our critical thinking episode, you would use the relevant information you gathered in forming your negotiation. Consider what options are available during the thinking open mind stage. And then communicate what you're willing to negotiate on. Many of our episodes build upon each other. So if you're having difficulty digesting what we're talking about, reflect back on the work that you've done over previous episodes and see how it can lend to what you are learning today. Without the knowledge and experience in how to properly represent ourselves in a negotiation, we risk hindering our own careers and the profession in general. It should be a personal responsibility to advance your position each year in a new way. There are various examples of this, which we will get into, but having a focused plan on what to achieve and how to leave your position better than you came into it is a professional duty each of us should hold. We have much to attribute to those who came before us in our ability to step into many of the positions we now have. We would be without emerging practices in several of the domains that we have permeated into if it weren't for other athletic trainers' ability to negotiate for themselves and thereby us. Working in our favor, we are a young profession with much growth to be had the leaders of our profession are continually displaying examples of how we can improve our positions. This is including but not limited to new legislation, white papers, consensus statements, increased proficiencies, salary surveys, and on and on. As you're going through this, if it still doesn't feel like something that you could embody, consider your peers and students that you might mentor. Sometimes we need inspiration from outside of our own careers to reach further within our positions. If you're one of those people, consider what your current position would have been if the person before you didn't establish it to the level that they had. Or perhaps you stepped into a brand new position and can really appreciate what it has taken to get it set up and to the point that it is now. However you feel know that many in our profession will benefit from you listening to this episode and taking away actionable items. One of the most important factors to keep in mind when considering negotiation is that it is rarely, if ever, personal. I just was listening to another podcast this past weekend it was on Girl Boss Radio with Sophia Amoruso. And the guest she had on was discussing, in part, negotiation. And one thing that she said that I really liked was to stay focused on the facts. Don't make it personal. Negotiations are and should remain focused strictly on the business at hand. There is little room for emotions and personal beliefs in negotiating. Be sure not to bring those to the table with you. Maintain the discussion framed around common interests, keeping in mind that the definition states that negotiations are intended to be a mutually beneficial outcome. The other primary aspect you must consider in negotiation is value. As a society we have agreed that we equate value with the price and or monetary compensation associated with a brand or a service. Again, going back to our previous episode where we talked about how to establish that value and the varying factors that play into the value of it. An example of this in our society would be how we value entertainment Versus education, look at the salaries that movie stars or athletes make in comparison to a teacher or a professor. It's quite obvious that our society gives more weight and value to entertainment than it does education. So, regarding compensation, what is it that you truly value? Are you seeking status Perhaps your rent or your mortgage has recently gone up. Maybe you need a new car, or you're looking to take a vacation, put money towards your kids' college fund, or pay off some student debt. What is it that you would need a higher pay for? Is it simply just recognition and trying to get to where you feel that your position should be without any of those factors considered? Revisiting our fulfillment episode, What is your why? This should be your driving force behind the negotiation. While you may find yourself wanting to speak about the how or the what, if you want your message to resonate with those who are sitting on the other side of the table, communicate your why. It is essential that you have an understanding of your own value prior to entering a negotiation. This is, in part, why we put the branding and marketing episode before this one, so that you could take the time to define the type of athletic trainer that you are and have confidence in that before entering a negotiation. Not only what you offer for your value, but also what you place value in, knowing that you're unwilling to waver on certain things will allow you to keep those as non-negotiables, but also having an explanation for your needs aids in the discussion at an end goal. Like we talked about in critical thinking, if you are able to remain open-minded in communicating your needs while understanding that all others at the table also have needs to be met, you increase your likelihood of finding an amicable understanding. Coming in close-minded, matter-of-fact, and unwavering will quickly find you at an argument instead of a negotiation. Perhaps in your value evaluation, you determine that monetary compensation is not what needs attention at your current position. Merit increases are another way to negotiate for more in your position without asking for a raise. Examples could be more vacation or sick days, higher CEU reimbursement, or transitioning your position from 10 months to 12 months. Be creative in considering other ways that you could be compensated outside of just a pay increase. For some, having more vacation days or consistent work through the summer may be more valuable than having more money in your paycheck. Negotiations also don't have to have huge year-ending or beginning considerations. Perhaps you're able to meet with your athletic director or direct supervisor to set up a differing schedule for each season. Perhaps the negotiation is that you work longer hours during the fall with the understanding that you will be able to leave earlier or arrive later for winter or spring sports. Be considerate of features your job has that many others may not and vice versa. Are you having a hard time coming up with what to negotiate for? Think about other athletic trainers' positions and what you covet about them. The last time a peer mentioned something and you thought, wow, that's so cool. That's what you should be negotiating for. When thinking about value, you must consider the perspective of what that value might add. To quote Stacey Ritter, an athletic trainer in San Luis Obispo, California, and former District 8 secondary school chair, quote, Tooting our own horn or patting ourselves on the back is only self-serving unless we can demonstrate our value to others. Whether it be risk mitigation or dollar value profit or taking a burden off of others, we are not important to them simply by being important to ourselves. Find out what stakeholders value and demonstrate how you meet that need. I will give specific tools and examples of how you can optimize help in order to achieve this. I also had the pleasure of interviewing NATA president, Scott Saylor, and he said, in relation to value, while the ability to tape an ankle could be valuable, developing an EAP is far more valuable, mostly because having an EAP reduces liability on the client side And because the situation an EAP is used for is far more extreme than the one a taped ankle would be used in, the practice you have been doing from our critical thinking episode will lend itself well for negotiating. Putting yourself in the other person's shoes, understanding what they value will allow you to speak to their needs. Operating from this mindset, greatly increases your ability to comprehend their negotiating points. I mentioned to you during the fulfillment episode that I'm sort of a self-help junkie. Well, in my self-help pursuits, one of the books that reigns near the top is Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen R. Covey. I know that this is one that's extremely popular And I would highly recommend that if you haven't read it or listened to it, it's definitely one that's worth listening to or reading. Um, This is actually a really old book with lots of great information, and I would definitely recommend it for all to read at some point in their careers. As the name implies, Covey discusses seven habits, with number four being the win-win principle. This is an excerpt from that chapter. Most of us learn to base our self-worth on comparisons and competition. We think about succeeding in terms of someone else failing. That is, if I win, you lose. Or, if you win, I lose. Many people think in terms of either or. Either you're nice or you're tough. Win-win requires that you be both. It's a balancing act between courage and consideration. To go for win-win, you not only have to be empathetic, but you also have to be confident. You not only have to be considerate and sensitive, you also have to be brave. To do that, to achieve that balance between courage and consideration, is the essence of real maturity and is fundamental to win-win. Is this sounding familiar to anyone who listened to the critical thinking episode? About three-fourths of the way through that episode, I challenged the listeners to debate with themselves whether being nice meant that you were submissive or a pushover. If you could manage to have conviction, but still communicate empathetically. This is what Covey is touching on here, to be considerate and sensitive, but also brave, to achieve the balance between courage and consideration. Do you feel like you have attained a level of maturity that would allow for that? Are you able to quiet your own ego so that a win-win solution can be found? Remember, a negotiation is a mutually beneficial agreement, so both sides should win. I can honestly admit, that there are times when it's incredibly difficult to be in this space. And then there's other times where it's not. And I would say that the potential that we all have for growth is to achieve this in the most difficult of times. But it's probably good to start by practicing in the easier ones. I myself don't particularly enjoy or seek out conflict. So I don't always have the greatest strength or bravery or confidence. I sometimes lean more on the empathy and the kindness and just being nice. But I recognize the shortcomings that that creates for me and also the disservice that it does to others involved. And so in myself reading this, I recognize that in order to increase my effectiveness as a person... I need to continue practicing the win-win principle. In line with the win-win principle, it's vital for me to also remind everyone, it's only another human being on the other end of this conversation. Relationship building, rapport, and communication are going to become some of your best used skills when needing to negotiate for something. With that said, also recognize That it's not always about getting what you want, and there are some instances where it makes sense to go without it in order to demonstrate that need. An example from an athletic training forum, Mike Hopper, an athletic trainer in Texas, shared this story with me. His ice machine went out in the middle of football season. The administration had already been generous in their funding of new AEDs and a golf cart. So he didn't feel comfortable asking for a new ice machine. Instead, he spoke with the cafeteria director and set up a routine where they would go across campus several times a week in order to fill their coolers with ice. It wasn't long before the athletic director noticed this happening and made a point of getting him a new ice machine that was three times the size of their previous one. Now, some of you may hear this and think, oh, spoiled AT in Texas, but what this displays to me is tenacity. The ability to problem solve and demonstrate a need that in the end got itself taken care of. Sometimes we are able to negotiate by displaying behavior instead of saying anything at all. In my own experience as a business owner, I am often negotiating on behalf of of athletic trainers to school districts and other clientele. While it is primarily my job to get the athletic trainers properly compensated and working in a healthy environment, I also must understand that this is mostly about risk mitigation for the client. Being able to speak that language and demonstrate how the athletic trainer and our company will reduce risk makes the discussion about cost far easier. For many, cost is a secondary aspect to all of their other needs, including the health and safety of their athletes. Of course, there is negotiation in staying under the overall budget, but very rarely do we meet a client who is hesitant to move forward simply based on cost after we have presented our full package. If we get to the point with a client where we are presenting a proposal, they usually already know what money will need to be spent. So like we talked about in branding, it's simply about closing the gap between what they know that they're going to be paying for and what they receive in return for that money. This is where speaking their language goes a long way. Here are some examples of what is provided to us that can help build our negotiating power when we're going into various situations. In the event that you are already in an established position, consider these resources. The NATA value model, which is available now for both college and university and the secondary school setting. These are online tools developed by leading professionals to determine how many athletic trainers are ideal for the number of athletes and workload at your organization. Initially, they developed a college university model several years ago, and this was then transformed into a tool for secondary school athletic trainers to use as well. I had one AT share with me that he had done all the work to put this together, and the administration basically shrugged it off. While this can feel defeating, I encourage you all to remain persistent. Perhaps it will require gathering new or different evidence to show the need for another staffer at your school or to increase your own contract. Be creative and flexible in understanding their needs, but also consider additional options like we talked about before, such as other days off, perhaps being compensated for tournaments out of a booster's or a a specific sport or club's budget. Things along those lines that maybe don't impact the overall cost or value of your 10-month contract, but that you're able to make additional monies on the outside. A printout of services provided throughout the year, ideally captured by your injury management software. Collecting your own data is one of the most powerful documents that you could utilize to support your position. As well-intended as outside research and normative data are the ability to produce evidence from your own population will resonate with stakeholders. Capturing injury and treatment data throughout the year and producing an end of the year presentation of that data is one of the most powerful statements that you could make about your position. Keep in mind that this data can show both positives and negatives. Perhaps you use a lack of information captured to point to outdated technology and negotiate for an iPad for athletes to sign in on. Or you identify a much lower treatment rate for a specific sport, so you use this to have the AD help with buy-in from that coach. Sometimes what is missing or lacking gives us more leverage than what is present. The NATA Salary Survey. Every two years, the NATA collects information from athletic trainers all over the country about the status of current employment. It looks at various aspects outside of just salary and compensation. There are questions surrounding employment model, who the AT is supervised by, benefits packages, and other various factors. There was just one completed in late 2016 with the results now available. It will be interesting to compare this information gathered in that survey to the 2014 edition, which was actually the first one of its kind. Sadly, I saw that there was only about a 20% response rate to the 2014 census. This is a valuable tool in being able to leverage what is captured nationally to support our efforts locally. This is a great example of how you could contribute to the profession in a way that may not feel impactful for you, but could be quite helpful to someone else. You can use the information from the salary survey to advocate for various aspects of your position, one of the most strongly stated being your salary. NATA mines the data to produce statistics for each state and district, so you can see an average for your area and compare. Another resource is the NATA Positions Improvement Guide. This is a 97-page document not to scare you, (laughs) that has 13 different chapters on how to improve your position in ways that perhaps you hadn't previously considered. Some of them include changing your employment model, improving your bottom line, understanding contracts and negotiations, improving your facility, communication, and time management, along with various others. Here's a quote from page 31, which I hope we've actually debunked for you. And if not, this quote should speak for itself. As a negotiator, you should be somewhat hard-nosed. Although this approach is required to get you what you want, it may produce unwanted tension between you and the personnel director. This tension may make future negotiations much more difficult. I almost cringed reading that. (laughs) Something to consider is, what might make your job easier or safer? Perhaps your school doesn't have the money to increase your salary, but do they have $1,200 for the cost of an AED? You could demonstrate how many lives across the nation are saved by the actions of an athletic trainer coupled with an AED. Or what about a golf cart instead of radios? Could you prove that your response rate to an emergency situation would be increased by having access to one of those things? Of course, it would also be nice to have one of those to zip around in, but we'll leave that off in the negotiation table. Again, keep discussion pointed at a response rate of running versus driving a cart in comparison to increased likelihood of survival based on response rate. Another resource to use in your negotiation is your own job description. Examining your job description to see what tasks you are given outside of athletic training will assist in your negotiating power. Specifically look for administrative duties as they are typically valued higher than others might be. Perhaps you oversee a student program or take on tasks for the athletic director or your supervisor. Maybe you provide on-campus CPR certification or have various other responsibilities on campus or at your work site. All of these help to show your greater value to the community and others outside of just the sports medicine room. Another resource available to those who are already in current positions are documents that you've created that may lower liability. As we've already mentioned, being able to objectively demonstrate how you have reduced risk will increase your value. This is included but not limited to developing an EAP, comprising a concussion protocol, identifying a team physician, or creating a policy and procedure document. All of these help protect the school district and yourself against litigation. Lastly, research other similar positions in your industry. Though not as valuable as some of the other ideas that we've mentioned, speaking with others in your area, especially within the same district or organization, about their employment structure can help you negotiate your own. In the event that you find yourself creating a new position, here are some different resources that you could use. First of all, education about what an athletic trainer is. One of the most powerful tools that we have available to us is our own knowledge and education. When introducing new positions, never assume that the client has a full understanding of what an athletic trainer can accomplish. Take the time to educate them about the full capacity of our skills and the dynamic role we play as part of a larger healthcare team. NATA and the new At Your Own Risk website is a great resource for proper definitions and scope of practice. You can also reference your own state practice acts to display how you work within your scope. Articles about athletic trainers saving lives. Using evidence of ways that athletic trainers have already made an impact on certain communities is a great way to display to the client how your AT or their athletic trainer would fit in. Be careful not to use articles as a scare tactic, but rather an example of how a district or a certain organization could alter their fate by choosing to hire a medical professional. NATA also produces a position proposal guide. It's a fantastic plan. I would highly recommend that you check it out. Two other really great options if you are advocating for a new position on your own behalf. Optimize the use of your own resume or the resume of the organization that you are representing. This is a great way to prove that you have the knowledge and capability to execute what it is that you are presenting. In the case of new positions, clients may require more convincing. So proving your experience in that area helps to calm nerves. Also, come prepared with a proposed plan of how you will make an immediate impact on their community. Illustrate your plan of implementation and utilize general data to strengthen this. Identify a timeline of implementation and give objective outcomes that are controllable by yourself or your organization that you are representing. When thinking about negotiators, it's hard to ignore the persuasive power that children have. There is much to be learned when examining the behaviors children display in their ability to successfully negotiate. Here are some of the standouts in my mind. They ask for everything upfront, no concessions made. I'm sure you're familiar with the phrase, never hurts to ask, right? Well, children are one of the best at embracing this. They have no inhibition in asking for precisely what they want with no concessions. Their matter of fact approach allows us to appreciate sticking to business as they often put up strong arguments For what they desire, despite how much the adult may or may not agree. They don't accept no as a final answer. Children are some of the best receivers of a no, as they find ways to navigate around this, offering alternative suggestions or finding a meeting point between where they started and the stern no that they were given. Children are creative in their approach often concocting a win-win scenario for themselves, regardless of what the answer may be from the parents. No is a starting point to determine what is off the table for the other side. It's your responsibility to negotiate what is left. They recruit others. How many times did you use the ask mom in front of a friend technique in order to get what you wanted? Or go to dad first to recruit him, knowing that mom is going to be hesitant? Children are great at finding allies to join their cause, thereby presenting a stronger argument. Getting others to join your cause often makes it more valuable and proves that there is a greater need for the topic to be addressed. They play naive. Better to ask for forgiveness than for permission, right? Right? Not always, but children are great at acting like they didn't know any better, thereby creating a scenario where it's difficult to get upset. Sometimes it benefits us to have less knowledge as it allows us to get away with more. They are persistent. Squeaky wheel gets the grease. Continuing to reiterate why you want what you're seeking and the validation behind it can wear down the other side. In summary, negotiation is about being able to have a conversation with others that points at a mutually beneficial agreement for all parties. While it may seem scary to think about, remember it's not an argument, simply a conversation. Be resourceful in providing data, examples, and support to promote what it is you are attempting to negotiate for. Remember though, that sometimes demonstrating the need is more persuasive. If you anticipate wanting to negotiate for something in the future, start having the conversation and collecting the data now. Don't underestimate the power of knowledge and communication in preparation. Take advantage of practicing in front of a mirror or on a friend to flush out any nerves that you might have or answer any potential questions that might come up. Know that no is not always a final answer. Work alongside the other party to find a win-win solution. And remember, it's just another person sitting at the table. If you approach them with an open mind, you are likely to find a solution that is fitting to you both. Some action items you can take away from this episode are redefining what negotiation means to you, change your own mind if you thought it was an argument, and instead Frame it around open dialogue pointed at an equally beneficial outcome. Start paying attention to the small negotiations you have every day, whether it be with a coach on an athlete's return to play, or with your four-year-old niece about how much candy she can eat. Pay attention to the tactics that work on you to bend in their direction, but also the techniques you use to stand your ground. Identify one to two items in your own position that could be negotiated. Perhaps it's a new supply, a change in your contract, or otherwise. Consider what data you could use to support that negotiation and start working towards a plan for proposal. Contact a mentor or someone deeper into the profession than you are. Ask them about how they have negotiated for different things throughout their career for inspiration and motivation in your own. Thank you for listening. I expect that you now have a more thorough and realistic understanding of negotiation, especially in how it pertains to athletic training. Go to CEU to take the quiz and claim your free CEUs. Also, if you have learned something here, share it with a colleague. Our entire profession could benefit from better understanding how to be expert negotiators. On our next episode, we will be discussing contract work. Thank you to Mr. Logistics for the music you've heard throughout.